How's everybody doing? Good? All right. I am jet lagged and so tired, but God's good. He's alive. Jesus is alive. And we get to talk about that today. I'm also going to fill you guys in on the uh, Nepal trip that I, that I got to go on the last two weeks, which was phenomenal. And I really had a great time. And uh, so we're going to share some stuff about that. We're going to talk about uh, Jesus, our risen Savior, and it's going to be a good weekend. I had a nicer shirt on for Easter, but then I spilled brisk juice all over it. Okay, you're welcome. You guys that much. I spelled brisket juice all over myself. I'm going to weird cable. Yeah, okay. So, um, man, all right. So I wanted to be posting more about our, the Nepal trip while I was over there, but I am the worst at social media, right? Like, I go to, like, uh, these events with other pastors and stuff, and, like, I, so I follow them on Facebook, and, like, there's these 50-year-old pastors who have, like, a way better social media game than me. And, I, and they're always looking at me like, oh, why don't you do more social media? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just really bad at it. And so I wanted to be posting in Nepal and stuff, and I just kept forgetting to. And like my grandpa, we, I was on the trip with him, and he's 76 years old, and he was like posting every day. Like he had a way stronger social media game than me. So I need to just like, I, that was my resolve, like after being in Nepal, was that like I need to do a little better at social media posting and stuff. But anyway, sorry. So I have not given a lot of details out or anything. So uh, we're going to go over some of the trip and um, do that. So Nepal was a country that was under a uh, Hindu monarchy as their government for hundreds of years, and about 10, I think it was about 10 years ago, they um, had a revolution, and they got um, a new government, and since then, Christianity has been growing more and more, and about two and a half years ago, there was a really severe earthquake um, that, interestingly enough, destroyed a lot of the temples. I'll show you a picture of that in a minute, uh, and since then, the gospel has just been spreading like crazy, um, so I want to share some photos and stuff, um, but first, let's, here's the summary of, of kind of how the trip went. We were in uh, Nepal. The trip total was like two weeks, but in total days in Nepal was 11 days. During that time, we got to uh, teach at two Bible schools. Uh, we prayed with, encouraged, and taught at seven churches, shared the gospel with many people who had never heard it before, which was just awesome. And we saw 26 decisions for Christ. So God was, God was really good. Um, about 20 of those uh, decisions were, I think 20 of them were at a service. The other six were um, just from witnessing. Like, and it's illegal to uh, convert, so we broke that law 26 times, amen. Uh, and it's illegal to evangelize. I don't even know how many times we broke that law. But uh, we were evangelizing. We led two of our taxi cab drivers to the Lord. We led the waiter at our hotel to the Lord, the security guard at our hotel to the Lord. Uh, we led this kid who draws mand- mandalas, and he had complimented my tattoos. We started talking. I hung out with him several days. He ended up receiving the Lord the last day that we were there. And uh, a lady, we were supposed to be at a leadership meeting, and we were praying with these uh, leaders, we thought 30 leaders of this one church. One of the ladies came up. She'd only come because like, she'd heard there were some missionaries, and she actually had received the Lord during that uh, during that um, service that we did for them. So that was really cool because uh, she said before that she didn't have faith. But by the end of that meeting, she says that she felt like the spirit of God had entered her and she now believed um, in Christ. So that was really cool. So we just saw a lot of different things like that. It was really awesome trip. Um, this next picture is of some crazy wires. 
And I really just posted this. I just put this up just to say thank you to our sound people. <laughs> this is what every street corner looks like. Our wires look so good, but in this country, they, it's just hundreds of wires at every corner going every direction. It's crazy. It was one of my favorite things there. Uh, all right, let's go to the next slide. Okay, so there was this huge earthquake, and a lot of people died. It was a huge tragedy. But in the earthquake, like this neighborhood had a lot of their largest temples. And none of their homes are destroyed there, just the temples. It's crazy. Every temple is just, this is three years, oh, two and a half, three years later, and they're still being rebuilt. Um, and since that time, the gospel has been like going forth like crazy because all the temples were damaged and the churches, they said united like they've never united before there. Uh, they had um, kind of like a lot of inner uh, denominational kind of fighting before that. Like, oh, try, everybody's trying to get their name out. And they said after that earthquake, all the churches rallied together and were bringing the gospel to Kathmandu and all of Nepal like they never have before. And there are churches springing up everywhere. Um, it was just an amazing thing to see. And it was, it's just like out of the Old Testament, God destroyed these pagan temples. And instead now the gospel is, is, is being received throughout the city and country. Uh, it's really amazing. Uh, next slide. Some highlights. Okay, so this was uh, one of the taxi cab drivers. It was like the second day we were there. We shared the gospel with him, and he accepted the Lord. We were able to connect him with a church near his house. That's the pastor there and some of the family. And we met that pastor through this girl on the left here who was the receptionist at our hotel and told us that she was a Christian. And she, ended up, she lives in the churches in the same neighborhood as this taxi driver. So we were able to connect him with his church. And he's going to get uh, discipled and baptized and everything there. Uh, which was really cool. The last day, we, we, I called him and said, hey, we need a taxi for the day. Will you, will you drive us around? You know, we'll pay you and everything. And so uh, he drove us around the last day that we were there. And uh, it was amazing because I had given him a Bible and told him to start in the Gospel of John. And he, he was, he's like, man, everybody says read Buddha. He's like, no, read John. John's way better, <laughs> which is awesome. And he was so excited. And, he, and I was like, did you tell your family? He's like, yeah, I told my mom that I now take Christianity, which is funny how they say it. I take Christianity now. And he's like, and her color changed. <laughs> he's like, but I shared the gospel with her and I'm praying for her. He's like, my wife doesn't believe yet, but I'm reading the Bible every day with her. Uh, it was just really cool to just see this genuine joy. And he was so excited. To, to just be reading the Bible and to now know Jesus, which is a real highlight. If you can go to the next slide. Uh, so these two guys right here, they, they pedal those rickshaws. And we met them. They were the first Christians that we, we met when we got there because we didn't really have any connections. Uh, this is Pasalama on the right and uh, Rakna on the left. They both were healed and received Jesus because they were healed. Apostle Lama had extreme pain in his legs where he couldn't walk, he couldn't work. He used to even be a witch doctor. He couldn't heal himself. His witch doctor friends couldn't heal him. He went to a church, his legs were healed, and he now follows Jesus and even disciples people and evangelizes. It's great. Uh, same story with uh, Ryan, but he was vomiting blood. He could not sleep and he could not eat. Uh, the witch doctors and the regular doctors couldn't figure out what it was. He went to a church and was healed. Um, which was amazing. Uh, and now both of them are just like these on-fire Christians. They introduced us to their pastor, Amen, who's in the middle. Um, and he, uh, so they are the evangelical friendship. They're like an offshoot of Quakers, but they're like real solid and real awesome. And this guy oversees 51 church plants in that area. 
uh, awesome guy, and we got to spend a lot of time with him. So that's kind of how we just we just talked to people. If they were a Christian, we asked to meet their pastor. If they weren't a Christian, we shared the gospel with them. And I just I, the people were so receptive, even the ones who did not receive yet that we're still praying for, uh, were so receptive and wanted to hear more, and they were so curious. And when you talked about the talked about God's love and how works cannot save you. Um, because they're used to going to these temples, little little temples on every corner and giving an offering and then putting the spices on their forehead to show that they worshiped and trying to earn God's love. And so hearing that God loves them and there's nothing they can do to earn it was such a, um, like a mind-blowing thing for them. Like they had a hard time wrapping their minds around it at first, but those who really did received it. It was amazing to see that. Um, I think we have a, what's the next one? Yeah, so this is a church service here. And I want to show you guys something interesting. Cool. Thanks, Aaron. So... Every church was like that. I don't know if you noticed. They, they sit, men and women, on different sides. It's just culturally uh, something that they do. But what's really interesting is every church we went to, the women outnumbered the men two to one. And I, I kept asking why that is. And I think there's a lot of social reasons for it uh, that you could look into. But um, I, th- I found it really beautiful in a way because we're going to be talking today about how the first witness uh, of Jesus resurrected was a woman. And... Uh, God really loves women and reaches out to them. And, and there's a lot of social reasons for why women are receiving the gospel first. I believe it's because they're more oppressed. Um, and the gospel always goes first to those who are oppressed. Um, but a lot of these women, we were at these churches and they were like, hey, coming up to us and like, please, pre, ah, please pray for my husband. He's not saved yet. So many women were saying that to us. And it really broke my heart. But I was also just so excited that God is reaching these women who the rape, like the rape, uh, Statistics there are off the charts, and uh, there's a lot of sex trafficking there as well. So the women are just probably the most oppressed, but the gospel is going to those women at an incredible rate, and then they're praying for, and eventually a lot of these women are are seeing their husbands get saved, which is really awesome. Um, So today we are talking about the devoted witness, which is the title for my sermon. Um, The devoted witness, uh, Mary the Magdalene, and... uh, but first off, we have to say, why is the resurrection so important, right? Like, this is Super Bowl Sunday for, for the church, right? Like, this is our big day. But the thing is, like, we're not wondering who's going to win. We know who's going to win because Jesus has already um, had the victory. He already conquered sin and death. And so we celebrate um, every, every year, every day even, we can celebrate the resurrection knowing that he has had the victory. Um, but it's the most important thing and in, in, the, in our entire faith. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most important thing. Paul, the apostle, puts it this way in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. 
Paul says that this is the element. Like this is the one thing that you have to know is true, is that Jesus rose from the dead. He conquered sin and death. And because of that, we can have new life. The gospel's not just for this life, y'all. Like the gospel certainly changes things in this life. It certainly makes things better. Uh, It gives us peace and joy and love like never before, but it's also for the next life. There's a lot of problems in the world still, and sometimes we're disconnected from them here in the U.S. And sometimes you get your eyes open when you go to other places and you realize the gospel has to be for more than just this life because there's so much oppression. There's so much poverty. There's so many people hurting in this world. The resurrection gives us hope of another place, another life where all things are made new, where we can be with Jesus eternally, perfectly, where there is no more sin. There is no more pain. There is no more poverty. There is no more suffering. There is no more oppression. It is just freedom in Jesus Christ eternally. This is the hope we have. And if we don't have this hope, Paul says, then we are to be of all people most pitied and that our faith is futile. Do you believe in the resurrection that much? Do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ that much that you would say that it is the hinge on everything in my life? All of my hope, all of my faith is dependent on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you can't say that, then I would say you don't understand the gospel. Today, I said we'd be talking about the devoted witness, Mary. But well, first, let's read this here in 1 Corinthians. There were many witnesses. Um, and Paul even exhorted the people to go and speak to the witnesses because the resurrection was something that they had to believe was true. 1 Corinthians 15, 3, For I deliver to you as f- of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive though some have fallen asleep. He says they're still alive, so you can go talk to them. Go hear about the resurrection. Go hear from the eyewitnesses that Jesus is alive and that our hope is not futile, right? Like our hope is is true. The resurrection is the hinge by which every element of our faith swings. Listen, uh, there's many things that we have in the gospel. There's many uh, elements of our faith practices of Christianity even, but they all hinge on the resurrection being true. Eternal life, heaven, rebirth, new bodies, freedom from sin, riches in heaven, perfect relationships, healing, miracles, deliverance from demons, spiritual gifts, the fruit of the spirit, individual callings and purpose is all dependent on the resurrection being true. All of those things are possible because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I believe we can witness all of those things. Some of them we only get to witness in heaven, right? Our new bodies, uh, perfection in heaven, we get to witness all those things in heaven. But there's a lot of things that we get to witness here and now in this earth. Because of the resurrection, we get to see fruit of the Spirit, spiritual gifts, a calling on your life, rebirth, um, Miracles, healing, deliverance from demons, all these things are possible to here and now. And I believe that God wants you to witness these things and experience these things. And I've been thinking a lot about how can we 
witness God do things? How can we experience his, his um, miracles and his healing and, and all of these things? How, are these uh, how is it possible for us to experience this? And I think we need to learn from the first witness, Mary. Um, we're going to read a long passage here. Um, I encourage you to read along if you, if you can. And uh, let's learn from this first witness. And then we're going to look at her life as well. And I believe there's some things we can learn so that we can witness and experience um, the fullness that comes from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? All right, John 20, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the term, tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following me and went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stood stooped to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one of the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will go take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and stay, say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your, <clears throat> and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he said these things to her, and that he had said these things to her. So in the Jewish culture and that of the Greeks as well, uh, women were not considered trustworthy witnesses in court, um, and obviously sexist culture. However, Jesus considers her a trustworthy Witness So trustworthy, in fact, that she gets to be the first witness of Christ, a woman who would not stand up in court and be able to witness in a trial. I've been thinking a lot about that, and I was really wondering why did Jesus consider her a trustworthy witness? Why did Jesus appear to her, not John, not Peter, who would lead the church, not the other disciples? Why did he appear to Mary Magdalene first? I believe there really are two things that maybe could be totaled in one word, but those two things are faith in and relationship with Jesus. John eleven twenty five, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. We don't just believe 
um, in a resurrection event. We believe in the resurrection, the person. You understand? Jesus is the resurrection. He is the life. It's more than an event. It's a person. And it's something that we have faith in, not just as an event, but in a person. And it's something that we have relationship to, not as an event, but as a person. I believe that the reason Jesus considered her a trustworthy witness, maybe the most trustworthy witness, was because that she had great faith in Jesus. And she was very close in relationship to Jesus. And because of those two things, Jesus entrusted himself to her as the first witness. Let's talk about that first element, faith. Jesus often told people, there's many times where he says to people, your faith has made you well. Uh, One example would be in Matthew 9. Jesus turned and seeing her said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. We see him saying that often he looks, he sees faith. And Jesus acknowledges the faith. And they're able to be healed because of the faith. And there's also times where Jesus' works were limited because of a lack of faith. Matthew, Matthew 13, 57 says, And they took offense at him, but Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. When Jesus goes to his hometown, there were many who were like, Who is this guy? Why does he think that he can do all this amazing things. They had so much doubt and unbelief. And because of that, they did not get to witness many great works as others did. Faith allows you to witness more of God's works. I would venture to say that the amount of faith that you have will determine the amount that you get to witness. Or the amount that you get to experience. The second element beyond faith is that of relationship. Those who were closer to Jesus got to see more. Matthew 17. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. These three got to see Jesus transfigured. They got to see a glimpse of what Jesus truly looks like in heaven. They got to see the glorified Christ, the king of the universe, because they were the closest to him. Um, Your faith and your closest to Jesus determine what you get to see, what you get to witness, and what you get to experience. I put it this way. Well, it's a slide, but uh, relationship plus faith equals devotion. I was thinking about it, and you, you have this faith that allows them to see more. And the closer you are in relationship to Jesus, the more they get to see. And I was trying to think of like, well, what are those two things combined? And, and for me, I really was looking at it. I thought relationship plus faith equals devotion. If you have great faith in Jesus and you're close to relationship with him, you're going to be more devoted to him. And that devotion is what we see in Mary Magdalene. Um, she was a woman of faith. She was a woman of closeness in relationship to Jesus. But she was devoted to him. I have a list here of, of, of some things. Um, first, we sh- we're told that she was freed from seven demons. So she truly had experienced what freedom in Christ was like. Like it wasn't a theory to her. 
It wasn't something that her friends experienced. It wasn't something that her family experienced, and now she goes to church because of it. She had experienced for herself true freedom from seven, seven demons. Um, some have speculated that seven demons represents the seven deadly sins and things like that. We don't, we don't know exactly what um, it was all like or what exactly her, her demonic, um, what kind of demon, demonic activity it was, but we know that she was freed from seven demons. And I think she was eternally grateful. I think when you have really, truly experienced freedom from your sin, freedom from the, uh, the oppression of darkness, you are so devoted to Jesus. She has so much faith in it because she experienced it for herself. She wanted to be as close to Jesus as she could possibly be. Now, there's some debate if Mary um, at Bethany is the same person as Mary uh, Magdalene. I believe they are. Some people don't. So I put these two in italics. If, if they were indeed the same person, she also stayed and learned from Jesus, unlike her sister Martha, who wanted to work. Mary stayed at the feet of Jesus and just wanted to learn. Um, saw her brother Lazarus raised from the dead by Jesus. That's pretty amazing. Um, she support, we know that Mary Magdalene supported Jesus' ministry financially. She was devoted. She anointed Jesus' feet with perfume, John 11, uh, possibly two times. Um, She was devoted enough to just pour out expensive perfume and wash his feet. Um, She witnessed Jesus' death on the cross. The disciples didn't. They abandoned him. She was devoted. Um, She accompanied his body to the tomb. The disciples didn't. They abandoned him, but she was devoted. Um, and first to go to the tomb. She woke up early to go check on Jesus. Nobody else was. But she went because she was devoted. So what you see in her life is that she was devoted to Jesus. So she gets to be the first to see the risen Jesus. And Jesus even commissions her to tell the other disciples that he is risen from the dead. So not only does she get to see the risen Savior Jesus entrusts her because of her devotion to be the one who gets to first share the good news. Isn't that amazing? There was a a woman in Nepal at one of the churches, um, and she's one of the leaders at this small branch church, kind of like a campus, and it's near the slums, and they do a lot of really cool ministry there. And this lady had been freed from from demons. In fact, a lot of people we met were freed from demons or healed. Um, If you don't believe me, this stuff is real, you guys. Like, it's, if you don't believe me, I'm going to Nepal again. You can come with me and see for yourself. I'll introduce you to all these people. I met an entire family uh, that had been freed from from demons, and they had all received Jesus. And now uh, their son, who was before um, demon-possessed, is now in Bible college. And he, he was asking me, and we spent like an hour talking because he wanted to be a better evangelist. And so I was giving him practical tips, but I said, at the end of the day, you have to receive that gift from the Holy Spirit. And so we prayed for him, and I believe he did receive the gift. But um, I mean, to go from possessed to wanting to evangelize to everyone, what an amazing thing. But this one woman at this church, she said that she, had, she recognized as a Hindu that she had spirits in her that were telling her to kill herself. She didn't love her children. She didn't love her husband. All she wanted to do was die. And she said that the first time she, want, she tried to kill herself, she went to a river to throw herself in. And uh, she said, somebody made this river. I want to know who. 
Then again, some time passed. She was really depressed again. The spirits were telling her to kill herself. She went to a tree to hang herself. Um, But again, she thought, who made the tree? I want to know who made the tree. And she again wanted to throw herself off of something. And again, she was looking at God's creation and said, I want to know who made this. So she had been seeking out everything she could read, like religious material. She had found some Hindu documents that had a woman who, in this Hindu legend, this woman threw herself into a fire. And because of that, she got to skip the process of reincarnation, and she went straight to paradise. And she was so depressed, she thought, well, I don't want to be reincarnated and live more lives. I want out of this world. Maybe if I throw myself into a fire, I too will get to pass on straight to paradise. And so there was a large Hindu festival coming up where they, um, in their celebration, create a large bonfire. And so the next next day or whatever, she was going to go and throw herself into the fire. However, some South Korean missionaries were having a service the day before. And she met them, and they asked her to come. So she went to the church service. And they prayed for her, and she said she felt all the demons leave. And the Spirit of God come in her. And she says she now loves her children. She loves her husband. And we got to meet a bunch of people that she led to the Lord. Because she, that's what she does. She goes into the slums and she leads people to Jesus. Because she knows that what it's like to be free. She knows what it's like to be oppressed. She knows what it's like to be in darkness. And now she knows what it's like to be in light. And she wants other people to know. Her story was, was beautiful. <laughs> and uh, in my mind, I was like, she's just like Mary. You know, this woman is now so devoted. She's, she lives right next to the church. She manages everything for the church there. She evangelizes to the poorest people in that city and leads them to Jesus, all because she is so just overtaken by the love of Christ who set her free from, from complete darkness so that she could, she could have new life. And she has hope now where she had no hope before. She has joy where she, has no jo- where she had no joy before. She has peace where she had peace before. And she has eternal life where she had no eternal life before. All of this was made possible because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? But my question for you guys is, what do you want to experience? What do you want to witness? Because the size of your faith And the closeness of your relationship to Jesus will determine what you get to witness. If all you have is faith for the next life, you'll get to go to heaven. But if you have faith for here and today, you can experience the spiritual gifts that God wants to give you. You can experience the fruit of the Spirit that He wants to give you. You can see people healed. You can see miracles. You can see people delivered from demons. But you have to have faith, and you need to be as close to Jesus as possible. I would call that devotion. Are you devoted to Jesus? I was challenged by it. I was challenged by my own um, lack of faith at times to see these people who have so little, who have much harder lives, most of them, um, yet their faith and their hope is so strong, so strong. When they talk about the gospel, they talk about specific neighborhoods that haven't been reached yet. They talk about village towns where the only way to get there is by mountain bikes and how they're going to go reach them there. One of the pastors we met, um, he got in this really bad motorcycle accident and his leg was severed. He showed me the pictures, which I didn't want to see. And they actually were able to sew his leg back on. And he showed me the leg. It's 
really, really messed up, but he can walk on it. He can move his toes. And it was completely off. Like, he showed me the pictures. Uh, but he said when he was in the hospital, he had this vision of him. He was in villages with this movie about Jesus. And it, he was going to village, to village, to village, and people receiving Jesus Christ. And so he's been doing that. He, they get on these motorcycles, and they put a projector, a projector screen, and a sound system on their backs, and they ride it up into the villages. They set up the projector. They play the movie, and the people receive Jesus. <laughs> it's amazing. He does a little message in the middle of the movie, and then he does, at the end he does a little message, and he asks them to receive Jesus. And he's going village to village to village to village that have never heard the gospel before, and he's sharing it with them. Because he, he's like, God used the severing of my leg to give me this vision. <laughs> and now I have this calling, and that's what he does. Um, are you devoted to Jesus? What is your faith like? Do you, ultim- do you, do you immediately wonder if those people's stories could be true? Do you immediately wonder, well, they're not educated. They, they're not really being healed. It's just in their mind. Or do you have great faith? Are you close in relationship with Jesus? Like, are you really, though? Because the disciples all followed Jesus, and they saw a lot of the same things. But not all of them were as devoted. Mary was, at the time, the most devoted. She's the one who stuck it out. She's the one who kept going to the temple, or the tomb, to check on him. Are you devoted to Jesus? Jesus has so much for you. Like, he truly does. Do you have faith? Are you close to him in relationship? I want our church, I want more than that, I want you guys just as individuals to experience more, to witness more. But for that to happen, you're going to need to have more faith. And you're going to need to draw near to him. We have a lot of distractions in this country. It's, I think it's really easy to say we love Jesus and then in our day-to-day lives, to just be so distracted. Mary wasn't distracted. She was devoted. She kept her eyes on Jesus. And I think her story is one that we need to pay attention to. God wants to free people in ways that only He can. He wants to use you for great and mighty things. But you have to have faith and you need to draw near to Him. So I would challenge you guys, maybe during these three songs of worship, can we just get our hearts right? Get ourselves back on track, devoted to Jesus? Because it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ that makes all of this possible. All of the healing and miracles and spiritual gifts, eternal life, rebirth, all of it is made possible through his resurrection. This is the hinge for our entire faith. It makes our hope worth hoping in. It makes our faith not futile, but true. What do you want to witness? Draw near to Jesus and believe in him because the resurrection is not just an event. It's a person. Amen. After this, we will be after the three songs of worship, we will go outside and we're going to have some baptisms. If you would like to get baptized, 
Um, if you've never been baptized, you can get baptized. If you've been baptized and maybe when you were a child and you walked away from the Lord for a long time and you want to get baptized again, you can be baptized again. The baptism represents going into the grave with Jesus Christ and coming out a new person, which is what happens when we believe in Jesus Christ. All of our sin and all our old person dies with Jesus Christ, and we are born again, the Bible says, in His new life. We are born again in His resurrection. That's why we celebrate baptisms. That's why we do so. And that's why we share the gospel and baptize people. Matthew 28, 19 Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's what we're going to do today. Amen? All right. Let's pray and worship team will come up. God, thank you so much for using my extremely jet lag mind to the word. Holy Spirit, thank you for all that you do. God, you have sent your spirit to convict us of sin, to empower us, um, to allow us to, to experience the new life that we have in Christ. You empower us with spiritual gifts. You give us peace, joy, love, mercy, self-control, gentleness, long-suffering, all these things, Lord. Um, right now, God, whatever each individual need is, Lord, you know it intimately. You know specifically what's going on in every single person's life here. You know the reasons why maybe they have weak faith or um, maybe why they're distancing themselves from you, why they're not drawing to you the way they should. You know all of the reasons, God. You know everything that's in our heart. You know the hurt that maybe has happened that causes them to put up walls. You, You know the sins that we all struggle with. But Lord, you died for all of that. For every single person here, you love each person so personally and intimately, God, you love them so, so much. And every single one of them, at any moment they choose, can draw near to you. Their faith can grow. Their relationship with you can grow. At any moment they choose to draw near to you, God. I pray that we would all do that today, that we would draw near to you, that our faith would grow because of it, that our relationship with you would become so much closer, that we would learn from Mary and learn how to just be devoted to you because we're so thankful for all that you have done, that you took all of our sin and you died on the cross, not for sin as a theory, but specific things for specific people because you love us all individually. Thank you, God, for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.